and turn to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a message on God's abundant grace. And what grace is, is grace is God's power and resources and, and, uh, and, and godly desires that he gives to us in order to serve him. We need his power. We can't live the Christian life on our own. Uh, it, it's, we, uh, we, can't, we can't get saved on our own. We can't live for God on our own. We need his grace. And in this passage, what we're going to take a look at tonight is the Bible talks about the fact that we need to be strong in the grace which is in Christ Jesus. So let's all stand together, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look with me, if you would, would uh, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 5. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that uh, you would calm our hearts tonight and help us to focus on you, focus on the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would... Uh, remove anything that would distract us from listening to you and hearing from you. Father, we pray, uh, I pray that you give me the strength, give me the grace, give me the power that is necessary for me to preach this message. God, without, without you meeting with us tonight, without you speaking to our hearts, honestly, we've met in vain. So we just pray, Father, that uh, you would come and visit us tonight in a special way that you would speak to our hearts about something that I know is, is dear to your heart, and that's your grace. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Why is it so important to be strong in grace? Well, because you're going to need it. You're, if you're going to serve the Lord, and Timothy was a young preacher that was serving God, and, uh, and Paul uh, told him, said, listen, you need to be strong in the grace which is in Christ Jesus. Now, that tells me some things, and one of the, one of the big things it tells me is that being strong in grace, he wouldn't tell him to do that if it wasn't his decision. In other words, you, you've got to respond properly. You've got to, to be in a place where God can give you that grace so that you can be strong in that grace. And there are some ways that the Bible says that we can, we can strengthen in grace. And I believe in just in this chapter and in those first five verses, God gives us some things that will, will help us strengthen in grace. You know, one of the things I've noticed, I've noticed over the years that when uh, people, people don't exercise because they have muscles, 
They exercise because they want muscles. They don't exercise because they uh, uh, necessarily, well, they may have good health, they want to maintain good health, or maybe they're not in good health and they want to get better health, so they exercise. Well, there are some exercises, there are some things that we need to do so that we might be able to be strong in grace. And the truth of the matter is, is that uh, you, you have absolutely no idea what's coming down the pipe in 2020. I have no idea what's coming down the pipe in my life in, in 2020. But there's one thing I do know, that no matter what comes down the line, no matter what opportunities open up, there's one thing you and I are going to desperately need a lot of, and that's grace. And we need to be strong in that grace. That, that is not, that's not an option thing. That's a command. And God says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well, look with me down in verse 2. The first thing he touches on, he says, And the, thing that, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He's telling them, listen, you need to know the Word of God so that you can pass the Word of God on to others so that others can pass the Word of God on to even, even more people. In other words, you've got, to, you've got to know the Word of God yourself. You've got to get into the Word of God. And the grace of God and the Word of God are integrally connected. Uh, the more we get into the Word of God and the more we we allow it to affect us, the more we can be recipients of grace. Take your Bibles and turn with me over. Keep your finger here because we're going to be here for the evening. But go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 is where Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders. This is the last time he's going to see them. And so he's giving them actually some, some final words. And down in verse 32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. You know, one of the things I've noticed, the, the stronger a person is in the word, the stronger they can be in grace. And that's why it's so important for us to be in the word of God. The Word of God sets us straight so that we can be recipients of that grace that God's got for us. Here in 2 Timothy, go to chapter 3 and look down at verse 16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And of course, one of the ways that he furnishes us is through his grace. Now I want you to notice that he says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and he is profitable for doctrine. That's getting the knowledge that we need to have, getting the, the facts from the word of God. But then he goes on immediately to the practical and he says reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It's absolutely necessary that when we come to this book, we come to this book with an attitude that says, God, if there's something that I need to add, show me what I need to add. And you show it to me, and I'll add it. God, if there's something I need to take out of my life, uh, Lord, as I come to this book, show it to me, and it's gone. 
Uh, we, need to, we need to constantly have that kind of, a, of an attitude toward, toward the Word when we come to it so that it can do those things, so that it can reprove and correct and instruct us in righteousness. Um, also, go with me, if you would, over to Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Look down in verse fifteen. Second Timothy two fifteen says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, Bible uh, has divisions in it." The Bible has different applications in it. Uh, there are different dispensations that the Bible talks about. And a dispensation just simply is uh, a different way that God works in a different age or in a different time period. And it's important for us to know those things so that we know what applies to us and what does not apply to us. When, when Jesus was, was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, he was tempted of the devil. Three different times when he was approached by Satan, at each of those temptations, he answered it with, it is written, it is written, it is written. But if you look at those, it is written, he didn't just randomly grab a verse out of, out of nowhere. He knew exactly what verse would match what temptation. He knew exactly what, 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 what verse would knock Satan right out of the ring. And, and after three punches and after, after three verses, he, the Bible says that, he, he, that Satan fled from him. He left him. Uh, it's important for us to know what fits. We need, to, we need to not only have a responsive heart to the Word of God so it can reprove, correct, and instruct us in righteousness, but we also need to have an understanding of what the Word of God says and so that we know how it applies to us personally. Um, we were talking about this in, in Sunday school this morning. There's, there's two kinds of promises. There's conditional promises. There's unconditional promises. There's also promises that are to a certain group of people. And, and for instance, I, I, I read a book here years ago it was, for the most part, it was a good book, uh, it, but it, it, uh, it was talking about family living, and it, the, the writer went back and applied some, some promises that were in the Old Testament that were specifically, I mean specifically, for the nation of Israel and tried to apply that to Christians today. Be careful of that, okay? Be careful of some of that kind of stuff. I believe that's where you got, where you got these people today that are out there. You see, them, you see them on TV, you hear them on the radio. They're always talking about kingdom this and kingdom that. and kingdom. You know what it is? They're kingdom builders. Well, the problem is they're, they're, they're misappropriating some scriptures uh, in order to push their doctrine. Listen, you need to know what you believe. You need to know what the Bible says, not only about practical stuff in your life, but about doctrinal stuff in your life. And because those, those doctrinal things are the things that God builds the foundation on so that he can correct, so he can reprove, correct, and instruct in righteousness. So it's important for us to 
to know what the Bible says and how it says it and what the, what the divisions are. Do you, do you know it in such a way that you can communicate it to others? You know, you know what I found? The more responsive I am personally to this book, the better I can help somebody else. And the less responsive I am to this book, the less I can help somebody else. If you're going to teach something to someone else, you need to go through it yourself. We, were, we just sang, and we're, we're going to hit, hit this subject here in just a minute, but we just, we just sang a song that said, Let sorrow do its work. Send grief and pain. Sweet are thy messengers, sweet their refrain. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's some folks right now in this, in this congregation that have learned that principle better than others. And the ones that have learned it the best can pass it on to others that need it. It's important for us to respond properly personally to the Word of God so that we can, we can pass it on to others. Again, notice what he says in verse 2 of 2 Timothy 2. It says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Timothy allowed the Word of God to impact him. Because he did, he could go and he could teach others, and as they allowed the Word of God to impact them, they could teach others also. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility not only to, to, be, not only to be obedient to the Word of God, but then after we're obedient, then we can take, take the book and we can pass it on to others. Um, we, we need to, to, to know what it says, to respond properly to it, and then, and then to, to uh, pass it on after it impacts our own life. So the first thing that we need to do in order so that we might be strong in grace is learn the Word of God well. Second thing, look down in verse 3. Verse 3. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says, Endure hardness as a good soldier. We need to learn how to, how to suffer as a soldier. If you go to 2 Timothy 3 and look down in, in verse 12, there's a, this is one of those promises that we're not so quick to to grab a hold of, but it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, our, as I said earlier today in the announcements, the times are changing, and because times are changing, we have to do things differently. But can I say this to you? The world is, the world, society, world never has been God-friendly, but society as a whole in America is not as friendly to God, the Bible, and Christians as it was 20 years ago. And as this trend continues to progress, you're going to see persecution in this and, and, and pressure in this country begin to escalate upon Christian folks. And God says, listen, if, if you're going to be strong in the graces that is in Christ Jesus, one of the things you've got to learn is you've got to learn how to endure suffering. Suffering makes us, a, and when we suffer properly, it makes us a prime candidate for, for grace because suffering is what makes you humble. 
Uh, it doesn't say that we ought to get mad or we ought to get angry or that we ought to retaliate. The Bible says we ought to endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers need to be tough. And, uh, and it, it means that we, we're going to be taking shots. That's why I think it's so important. In fact, I was just talking to somebody about this uh, after the service this morning. Um, starting in May of this year, we're going to start a little bit earlier this year. We're going to, we're going to start going door to door. I looked at the, at the sunrise, sunset thing, and the sun sets uh, uh, late enough in May that we can, we can start hitting doors in May and get an extra month out of it, go May, June, July, and August. Um, I, I think that door-to-door is important. And you say, yeah, because we need to, to get the Word of God out. And yes, you're right. We do need to get the Word of God out and get it out to our community. But can I tell you who else it's important for? It's important for you. It's important for me. It's important for us. And the reason why it's important for us is because it, it, it toughens us up. I, I, remember, I remember early in my Christian life starting to witness to folks and, and uh, witnessing to, to different people. Of course, when you go knock on a door, you have no idea what's going to be on the other side of the door. You just don't know. And uh, uh, there were times when, uh, when I would knock on a door and a Mormon would come to the door or a Jehovah's Witness would come to the door. In this town, I experienced this within the first year or two of door knocking, there were, there were some dyed-in-the-wool Roman Catholic folks that, I mean, were, were, were staunch on it and used Scripture. I, I went to, a, I went to a, uh, uh, a meeting that they had over in a, in a Catholic church not very far from us. Back, oh, it must have been, in, well, it was, about, it was almost yeah, it was about 28 years ago, 28 and a half years ago. And... Uh, uh, they, they, were, they had flyers that they were putting out that said, said, come to this meeting as Roman Catholics and learn how to answer Bible Christians. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of wild because what they're saying is, we're not Bible Christians, <laughs> and they really aren't. They really aren't. But I went, I went to that expecting to hear a, a lot of tradition and so forth. You know what I heard? I heard a lot of quoting the Bible. And one of the things that, that this guy said, and now they, they quoted the Bible, they, they misquoted a lot of it, they took it out of context, but one of the things that he said was, he says, listen, you know, when they quote Bible to you, and it seems like it contradicts what you've been taught in the church and the traditions that we hold, don't let that get you nervous. Because remember this, if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't even have a Bible to quote. And I, and I, about, came, I about came out of a pew when they said that because the truth of the matter is the Roman Catholic Church squelched the, dis, the distribution of Scripture and really wanted nothing to do with Scripture getting into the, the hands of the common man. Uh, it, it is good, however, to come up against that kind of stuff. You know why? It's good for you to, to knock on a door and have a guy just absolutely eat your lunch. Now, I know none of you agree with me on that. Okay, I can tell by your response. But it's good for you. You know why? Because you know they're wrong, but you, can't, you don't have the Scriptures yet to prove that they're wrong. 
And you know what it'll do? It'll drive you back to the book. And you'll endure a little humiliation, and you'll endure a little suffering, and then you'll go back into the book, and you'll get some answers. Man, I had that happen to me. I, 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 the first time I ever talked to a Jehovah's Witness, man, he just ate me for dinner. I mean, just made, uh, really, really did a number on me. First time I ever talked to someone who was, it was down in, in fact, it was down in, uh, in, in Missouri when I, where I was going to school. Uh, first time I ever talked to a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, they tied me in knots. First time I ever talked to a Church of Christ. And I'm not talking about the kind of Church of Christ you see up here. It's different down there. And they're into baptismal regeneration and, and, and so forth. Uh, and and uh, uh, when I went up against them, I didn't, I didn't have any answers. Can I tell you? It was good for me to go into that battle. Because what those battles do is they strengthen you. Don't shy away from the battles. We're, 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 we're living in a day and age today where honestly, and this is, I'm, you know, it's true of you, it's true of me. We are soft compared to the previous generation. We really are. We're soft. And we need to be, we need to be a little tougher. And one of the ways that you get tougher is you get involved in battle. And I, and I don't mean being contentious or anything like that. I'm just talking about engage with others. And what we have a tendency to do is say, well, I don't want to get into that. No, you ought to get into that. You know why? Because you need to learn how to endure. You need to learn how to endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Go to, keep your finger here and go to, to uh, 1 Peter 2. First Peter chapter 2. You've heard me say this. I'm going to say it again. I don't think I've ever seen a church that has, has gone through personal suffering, and, and when I say personal, I mean individual, like I've seen in this church. Uh, the number of people that have, that have had to, to battle various things, whether it be health, whether it be family, uh, whether it be finances, whatever it might be. And, uh, and, and, and I've, just, I've just seen a lot of it in this church. You say, man, that's discouraging. No, not really. It's very encouraging. Because that makes us prime candidates if we respond properly to the grace of God. And he, I, I really believe God wants to pour his grace out all over the place. But we have to have the right attitude Toward, toward suffering and being a good soldier. We've got to have the right response. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look down in verses uh, 19 through 21. 1 Peter 2, 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults? Ye you take it patiently, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently... This is acceptable with God, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We are we're in a battle. We are in a war. You're going to get wounded. You know, you're going to hurt. You're going to suffer. Do you endure that suffering? I believe as you endure the suffering, God just 
pours his grace upon us. God just strengthens us over and over and over again through the suffering and through the times of trials and through the battles. But it's important for us to endure those things. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that, that it teaches us to do and when we're, when we're in battle, uh, you know what a good soldier does? A good soldier cries out for help when he needs it. And God will, will be there to give you that help. I, I, you know, again, you go, go to the book of Psalms, and you see over and over and over again how the various psalmists, particularly David, say, uh, made, make the, the statement, and I cried out to God, and I cried out to God, and I cried out to God, and I cried out to God. Well, you know why they cried out to God? Because they were suffering. They cried out to God because they were hurting. They cried out to God because they were in a battle. Uh, I don't imagine that David would have chosen to flee for anywhere from, it looks to me like anywhere from 10 to 15 years from, uh, from King Saul. Uh, I don't think he would have chosen to do that, but can I tell you what it did? It made him a strong man. It made him a strong king. And it also tenderized his heart. He didn't get bitter over the thing. He allowed, he allowed God to use that thing to tenderize him, and it was obvious that the grace of God was all over him. So we need to learn the Word of God well. We need to suffer as a good soldier. Look down in verse 5. Verse 5, it says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. We need to keep the rules. We need to keep the rules. We need to do what we do with, within God's boundary lines so that God can give us that, that grace that we need. You know, God does not give grace to rebels. God gives grace to obedient children. God gives grace to submissive children. And that's, that's what we need to be. You know, uh, many times, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, uh, King James uh, Baptist churches are, are accused of being legalistic. Oh, you know, you just you have a bunch of rules and regulations. And if you listen to that stuff long enough, you, you, come, you almost come out with the idea that, wait a minute, rules and regulations are wrong. No, rules and regulations are not wrong. Rules and regulations are good. Have you ever seen a home that had almost no, in fact, I've seen some that really have no rules and regulations. You know what? I don't want to spend much time in those homes. Uh, one, one day, Pastor Keck out in Green Bay, I, I wasn't with him on this call, but he was doing some door-to-door and got invited into a house. And uh, the lady had a, a little boy that was uh, in the home. It was her son. I don't know, he was three, four years old, something like that. Every time he tried to witness to this lady, she had to, to stop his witness and, and say something to the little boy. It got so bad, this little kid was climbing the drapes like a monkey and, and hanging from the, the curtain rod. I mean, he was a mess. And uh, uh, he, he, you know, is that the kind of home you want to live in? <laughs> That's not the kind of home I want to live in. Would you call that a home full of grace? No, I'd call that a home full of confusion, uh, full of chaos. And, uh, and, and, and the truth is, is that 
Uh, God expects us to do things lawfully, to do things decently, to do things in order. Uh, you you uh, make rules in your home so that your children will learn how to obey. And as they learn how to obey, they will strengthen and they'll grow in character. Take your Bibles and, and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8. Moses is speaking to Israel. He's going to be taken, but Joshua is going to eventually lead Israel into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 8, look at verses 2 and 3. It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So what were the commandments, what were the rules and regs given to them for? Well, it was so they, could, they would be humble, and so that they would be proved. It says that, uh, to humble and prove. And verse 3 says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger. And, and fed thee with manna. Now stop right there. It says, he suffered thee to hunger. In other words, he allowed that to happen. He brought the need into their life. He, he allowed the suffering to take place for a while so that he could meet their need and bring down manna. It says, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did the fa thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. But God says that the reason why there's, there's rules and regs is so that we can be proved and also so that we can, we can be humbled. And, and we, can, we can learn some things that we wouldn't learn any other way. They, they toughen us. Uh, they, they, they strengthen us. They build character. There are all kinds of principles that are to be found in the Word of God that we're supposed to live our lives by. By the way, I, I am, I, I am a, a firm believer that not only is, is, uh, is it important to live by, by, by the grace of God, but it's also important in order to get that grace of God to its fullest, we need to live a separated life. We need to live a life that's separate from and distant from the world, and apart from the world. And again, you know, some folks will come along and they'll say, well, you're just, you're just legalists. No, the Bible says that we ought to do things decently and that we ought to do things in order and that we ought to live by the rules. Verse 5, if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. That means just simply following the rules and, and doing that which, which God would, would ask us to do. Uh, you know, we, we have, we have uh, if somebody's going to teach Sunday school, somebody's going to work in master clubs, if uh, someone is going to work in junior church, uh, in our church, we have, we have some rules. We have some requirements. We expect, we expect people that, that uh, teach our children to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Why? Because that's what we want to teach those kids to do. And if you're not doing it, then those kids aren't going to do it. Uh, we, 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 have, 
we have some rules and regs that, that uh, uh, say that you need to be, obviously, a church member. You need to tithe. Why? Because we don't want to raise a bunch of God robbers. And if you're robbing from God, then you can't teach somebody else not to rob from God. And, uh, and, and on and on it goes. We expect our, our, our teachers to live a separated life and live a life that is apart from this world. We expect our teachers to get into the Word of God on a daily basis. You can't pass on some, something to someone that you don't know yourself. Uh, we expect them to spend time in prayer. Uh, we, we expect them to be a witness. Again, why is that? Well, because we want to see that passed on to others. But not only that, but you know what all that th- stuff does? It puts you smack dab in the place where God can give you more strength, can give you more grace, and can give you the help and the power in order to do that which he's, which he's called you to do. So in order to, in order to be strengthened in grace, we need to learn the word of God. We need to suffer as good soldiers and endure. We need to keep the rules. One more thing. Go back up to verse 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Last, last thing, in order to get, be strong in grace, we need, we need to be pleasing to God. That involves being clean, being right, being, uh, being uh, in such a way that our life puts a smile on God's face, that our life pleases the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Psalm 18, look down in verse 20. It says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the, cl- the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. You know, God expects, God expects Christian people to be clean. He doesn't expect them to mess around in sin. He doesn't expect us to, to indulge in the habits that the world indulges in. He expects us to be different. He expects us to be clean. He expects us to be right with Him. Go with me over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James 4, look down at verses 6 through 8. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, But He giveth more grace, wherefore He saith... God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, all within the context, he's talking about grace. He's talking about being humble before God so we can get that grace. But he's also talking about getting close to God. How do you get close to God? You don't get close to God with dirty hands. You don't get close to God with a dirty mind. You don't get close to God with with sinful lives. We get close to God as, as we get cleaned up before Him, we get right before Him, and then we take a step toward Him. I, I find this I find this so interesting. 
you know, uh, uh, in order to, to, to get close to God, that's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard it said, and I've, I've even reiterated it, that uh, we are as close to God tonight, you are as close to God tonight, as you want to be. You can't blame any circumstance. You can't blame any situation. You can't blame anybody. You can't blame anything for not being close to God. If you're not close to God tonight, it's because you've chosen not to. Because the Bible says, if we draw nigh to God, if I take one step toward Him, He takes a step toward me. I take two steps toward Him, He he takes two steps toward me. The closer I get to God, the closer He comes to me. Not just, I, not, he's not just closer to me because I'm moving closer to him. As I move closer to him, he moves closer to me. He wants to be close to me. He wants to be close to you. And it's important for us to stay clean and stay right before God. If you go back with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. In order to be pleasing to God, we can't get entangled. And it talks about being entangled in the things of this life. I don't believe what he's talking about there. I don't believe he's talking about sin. He's not talking about, he's not talking about getting into sinful things. He's talking about getting entangled. And, what, and, and I've, I've, I've watched this over the years uh, of being saved and being in ministry. Oftentimes, the reason why folks don't serve God is that they just, they're so involved in everything else, they don't have time for God. You know what? God needs to be a priority in our life. Not a priority, the priority in our life. Absolutely number one. And he says, you know what? Don't get entangled in all the stuff that can entangle you. And, you know, we've got more, we've got more activities. We've got more gadgets and gizmos and things that can, that can get us entangled. I thought, you know, I've referred to this often, and I've thought about it often because it's such a good principle. When I was a kid, one of the things that I wanted, I wanted really bad, was I wanted to get... A speed bike. Now, for me, when I was a kid, a speed bike wasn't 20 speeds, wasn't 15 speeds, it wasn't even 10 speeds. When I was a kid, a a speed bike was an English bike, and there were three whole speeds to the thing, okay? It's a three-speed bike, wow. (laughs) And uh, I remember going to my dad and saying, Dad, I'd like to get an English bicycle. Because I'd like to have the speeds. And, he, and his answer was the same every time. Nope. Nope, not buying one. I said, why, Dad? He said, because the more junk that's on it, the more stuff can go wrong. Now you say, well, that's, that's, that's kind of that's dumb. No, that's kind of profound, really. The, the, because it's, it's true in our lives. The more junk that you bring into your, and it may, may even be good junk, okay? But we get, we get so involved in the stuff that our time and our thoughts and our efforts get consumed and pleasing God ends up being down on the bottom of the totem pole. 
Paul told Timothy, he said, we need to please God. He said in verse 4, he said that he may please him who hath, who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Pleasing God ought to be everything in our lives. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 10. Or excuse me, Galatians 10. Galatians chapter 1. If you, if you have a Galatians 10, I'd like to see your Bible after the service. Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, look in verse 10. Galatians 1.10 says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now take that verse and apply it to you. Ask yourself this question. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If you're really a servant, and you're a servant of the Lord, then your number one priority is to please, please the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You're in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 1. Look down in verse 10. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Who are we pleasing? We ought to be pleasing God. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Go with me over to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And in 1 Thessalonians 2... <clears throat> Look down in verse 4. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. But as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which, tri which trieth our hearts. Pleasing God is everything. question tonight is, how strong are you in grace? It's, a, it's, it's, it's something that is, that is said to be our responsibility in the respect of we need to do those things which will cause us to strengthen in grace. Now, God gives us his grace, and he gives it to us freely. But we need to be in a position where God can bless us and strengthen us in, in, in his grace. And we need to learn the Word of God well. We need to suffer as a good soldier and be, be willing to endure suffering. We need to keep the rules. And we need to be pleasing unto Him. We ought to, we ought to strive and it ought to be our heart's desire to want to please God more than anyone or anything in our lives. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, as we come to you at the close of this message, we need to look at our own hearts and lives and examine ourselves and just see how strong are we in grace. And Lord, I, I believe you have a desire, and you have a desire to, to just load us up with your power, load us up with godly desires, to load us up with 
supernatural strength to be able to serve you. But Lord, uh, it's really our choice as to whether or not we're strong or whether or not we're weak. Help us, Lord, to, to be willing to do these things that we looked at tonight so that we can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that we might exercise ourselves unto godliness. Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. Help us to be honest with you tonight. And help us to see, are, are we strong or are there some areas that need to be built up so that we can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? We're definitely in a battle, Lord. And uh, Father, we want to, to fight that battle in such a way that uh, it'll please and honor and glorify you. Bless this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. And as you do, may we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with heads bowed.